Welcome to No Compromises, a peek into the mind of two old web devs who have seen some things. This is Joel. And this is Aaron. Here we are, another episode of how we do our work, kind of picking that series back up. And um, everything so far has kind of been leading up to the thing that most devs think about, which is like doing the work, like building whatever it is that you were hired to build for the project. There's a bunch of different ways of doing that. I know I've experimented with many over the years. I know even you and I working together have kind of slowly refined a system, but I thought it might be useful to sort of share how we set that up. And then as each week progresses, kind of like what a normal week looks like for us. Yeah. I think when I, when I started working with you, you were just a crazy cowboy. And I said, settle down, Joel. Yeah. Let's let's get boring and put everything in a tickets. It mm, doesn't <laughs> sound like me at all, but but I will agree that the process has definitely been formalized when when you have to coordinate with another another dev. So we use GitHub for our source code. And so our ideal scenario and, and kind of what we settled on is also trying to use GitHub for work management. Now, that's not to say that other systems don't work, but I just kind of like having everything in one place. And so we make use of GitHub issues, GitHub milestones, GitHub projects. And honestly, it's pretty simple. Like we, in fact, we're not, there's this new, what is it called? Issues beta or something that you, mm-hmm. it's almost like GitHub wants to be Jira. Um, I opted into it on one of the repos and then pr- promptly never used it. So like, this <laughs> is just the vanilla kind of boring simple way of doing stuff but we'll walk through it and what you meant is it's it it's new or it's been here for three years depending on when you're listening to this episode um (laughs) that's true okay yeah uh maybe it's been around for 30 years hello time traveler (laughs) um so so where it starts is the issues and so as you alluded to we kind of write everything up as tasks and Generally speaking, I mean, sometimes the tasks will start out bigger. And then as we work them, we might decide, oh, this is kind of big. I'm going to split this into like two or three different tasks. But but generally speaking, it's a unit of work. It's a feature. It's some something that we're going to either do or deliver as part of executing the project. And for each issue, obviously, we have a description of it, you know, a title and a summary and any supporting documentation. But some of the important things we also like to do, or at least I do, I don't know if you care about this, Aaron, but I like to tag things with labels. On some projects, depending on how we work, we we might even use like a size label, small, medium, large. You know, it's not not meant Mm -hmm. to convey hours of work or anything super granular, but just kind of like a rough sense, like, oh man, I don't have a lot of time today. I want to make some headway on this project. I'll grab a small one or, or, you know, boy, I got a whole day ahead of me. I'm going to grab a large one. Just just those sorts of things. And then there's a few buckets of labels that we assign to a task. You know, maybe something is a feature, maybe it's a bug, maybe it's um, documentation, maybe it needs design, maybe it's a setup task, you know, like, okay, let's deploy this to a a fresh environment. So, but we don't go nuts with it. You know, I think we use maybe a total of um, seven or eight different labels, plus those size labels. And that's enough to kind of get a sense for like, what is this ticket? and helps categorize things later. Yeah, I think it also depends on um, the tickets that we create kind of depend on the client we have mm-hmm. and how we want to communicate with them too. 
So most clients want to know in general where something is in the, in the pipeline, but they don't care so much about the details. And so um, we kind of adapt ourselves to that work too. So for example, if you have a client, it's like, what would you say to that client and Mm -hmm. that like that you're working on and that's the actual ticket. And then inside of there, you could put check boxes or whatever uh, for more of the technical things. And so you, you might say this is in progress and you start to check through the things that you're working on. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you mentioned clients because I think we discussed this in an earlier episode, but this is a client owned GitHub organization slash repo. Mm -hmm. So they have visibility, whether they use it or not, or care about it at all is a different topic. But most of our clients, um, even some that were kind of non-technical have expressed like, Hey, that's kind of cool that I get updates or that I can, if I have a bug, I don't have to call you or email you. I can just write up an issue and I know you'll massage it a little bit to make it more technical or the way we need it to be for work, but it's, it is collaboration and it cuts down on a lot of unnecessary communication because it's that central point of truth. Mm-hmm. I, I think also understanding that we own the labels and all they have to do is add in something just mm-hmm. like real quick, because I've worked with like things like Jira too, with complex workflows oh, yeah. and, and then started noticing that my stakeholders won't use it anymore because it was like, well, the fill out this ticket, you have to check 27 different boxes. <laughs> and they're like, Eight. I used to just be able to call you. It's like, yeah. well, don't, but also I understand this is frustrating. So we try to keep that simpler for them and then we handle the rest of it. Yeah, very low friction. Um, so let's just say we have, we have all the issues kind of stubbed out for what we want to work on. Generally speaking, we'll organize those into a project. I think it's pretty rare for us to have more than one project in a repo. It, it has happened occasionally, but for the most part, we have like a single project we're working on in a repo and we will bring the, the issues that we've created into that project. The project, if you've never seen them at GitHub, they have, there's different ways of setting them up, but generally speaking, you kind of have different columns for, is this something we're going to do? Is this something we're currently working on? Is this something that needs review? And is this done? kind of like the four basic columns. And then within the issues and the project. So the project is like a board you can look at and get a sense. Okay, here's everything we've sort of committed to and is is in the pipeline. But then we'll go a step further usually and also use a feature called milestones, which essentially are arbitrary buckets of deliverables. And so a lot of times we'll do it weekly. You know, we'll just have week one, week two, week three, uh, uh, based on the calendar year. And that that gives an additional layer of like, oh, so there might be 30 things in this bucket for the month of whatever, but these 10 are going to be week 27. These five might be week 28. So it, it just kind of helps somebody to see a little more at a glance, whether that's us or the client. Here's the general flow we think things are going to follow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I, one of the issues I ran into in the past was like trying to figure out how to use milestones mm-hmm. and everyone has their own sort of way of doing it. But just to double down and clarify, uh, our uh, our big project that we're doing for the client is the project. And then the milestones are the steps to that project. Mm-hmm. So um, I've seen a lot of people use milestones for like features of a project. Okay. You can do that. But I, I think I think the whole um, time-based thing is better. Because although we don't bill per hour, people still care what's happening what week. Right, uh, yep. And so our experience has been too, it's just been easier to communicate to people looking at the week milestone saying this is what yep. happened this week or whatever, uh, versus saying like, well, we're two thirds through releasing the feature of XYZ. And they're like, yeah, yeah. I don't know 
how long that's going to take or care. Yeah. And, and I think part of how we settled on this use of milestones was based on some constraints in GitHub. You know, in Jira, you have all sorts of date fields, due date, you know, estimated time remaining, like all these different mm-hmm. things. You don't really have that in GitHub. So we kind of settled on milestones being time-based because it gave us just sort of like a bucket of rough time, not specific due dates. And also, I know I do it this way. I think you do too. I kind of plan out weekly, right? So I, I sort of look ahead to what I'm going to work on this week and just having that line up with the mm-hmm. way things are configured in GitHub has been really useful. There's there's one thing that me and you do that I found super useful with projects and stuff like this that maybe other people might run into too. So depending on our project, we might either be working, developing both at the same time mm-hmm. or one one is handling more of the um, customer communication and signing off on, on sort of our feature work and the other person may be doing more of the programming. So one of the things that we'll do is um, let's just say who's developing this tool, this, this feature, this ticket, they'll move it through the columns and when it's done, they'll put it in a done column, but still leave the ticket open. Mm-hmm. And then the person who is signing off on it or like merging and pull requests or whatever, they'll see stuff in the done column. And then when they, when they agree, it's good to go, then they will close the ticket. It'll still remain in, in the done column, but it'll be a different, you know, have a different checkbox or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been really nice because we can say like, yeah, I, I've finished this. It's ready for you, Joel, to take a look at. And then when it's done, you merge it in, close the ticket. It's good to go. And we still yeah. have a nice listing of stuff that we've completed. Um, and then that kind of leads into how you give updates to the client. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of where my mind was going next. You know, so so we we generally communicate weekly with a client. Uh, I know some teams have like daily standups and things like that. I, I try to minimize those formal meetings, especially real-time meetings when you're on a phone call or on a, on a Zoom meeting or something like that. But we'll do it once a week. And generally it's over email. You know, here's what we did last week. Here's what we're going to work on this week. And maybe here's something that's blocking us. You know, something that requires special attention or outside input to help us keep moving. But we can just look at the GitHub board to be like, okay, what did we do last week? As long as everything is captured there, it makes it really easy to send those updates. I, I wanted to, just a tiny little aside mm-hmm. from my background as being a development manager. I've done a lot of daily standups and I tell you, I never really liked them, but I had to do them for two reasons. And then when I tell you these two reasons, maybe it can help you not have to go to them if you're a developer. Okay. One is just the culture of the organization where I would get pinged or asked multiple times a week on the status of certain things. Um, and that was partly my fault for not setting expectations right. And that's partly just the culture of the company and that can only change so fast. So sometimes mm-hmm. it's a little beyond what you can you know, like, yeah, it's great, but I need to know these things because someone's asking me every day. Um, and then two, the, the larger re- reason um, I've ran into this many times is developers don't like messing with tickets. They don't like updating them and, you know, like making good commit messages and all that kind of stuff. When you don't do that, then I have to have a meeting with you. Right. So if you don't want to have a daily stand-up meeting, write better tickets, keep your tickets up to date before you leave for the day or before you're mm-hmm. done, update your ticket. That way, when I know I can finally trust those, then I'm going to stop wanting to have meetings with you because I just want you to work. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a good way of looking at it. And um, one other thing to mention, just as, as long as we're talking about meetings, uh, so with the weekly check-ins, generally it's over email, but mm-hmm. it is good to still have kind of that 
either face-to-face or real-time communication. So what we usually do is once a month, we'll have a monthly planning meeting with the client. And that's where we can kind of set the goals for that month, um, set the priorities and kind of figure out what's a reasonable amount of work to do. It's best to do it around the time when they're going to be paying you too. So if they don't pay you, they have to face you. (laughs) Ooh, I like that. (laughs) The, uh, The house I live in was built in the 1970s. And apparently a thing people did in that time period was instead of just putting a doorbell on the front of their house, they also put in an intercom system. So, so like, you know, if you want that experience of living in an apartment building, but you have a house, I guess this is one way of doing it. So uh, when we moved in, the intercom system was already gone, but I was recently doing some work in the basement and I could see all these wires that appeared to go nowhere. And I I figured out these were for that old intercom system. So there was one going to the front door. There was one going to like the kitchen. There was one going all the way up to like the upstairs bedroom. And I'm like, that's kind of dumb. Like if the doorbell rings, this house isn't so big that you couldn't just walk to the <laughs> doorbell, open the door and talk to the person, right? It just, it seemed like kind of a stupid idea. I should probably add that the thing I was doing in the basement was running wire to like one of these new video doorbells that I bought. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> this was a whole ordeal in itself because I'm not really good with electricity, like despite my family thinking, because I work on computers, I understand electricity. I don't know how that works, but I, anyways, I just want to follow I, your, your logic real quick though. Okay. The, right. the house, the house is not too big. So you don't need an intercom, but it's too big to just look out the window. <laughs> yes, it is too big for that. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's why you need the video. Doorbell, <laughs> well, and, right? and the video doorbell is like also a camera. So it gives like there's other security benefits to it, but, but yeah, yes. that, that win- windows would not provide. Yeah. I understood. <laughs> got it. Got it. Um, so I finally got all of the stuff figured out with the doorbell, the doorbells working. I was testing it out with my son and you know, one of the features of this is a two way radio. And I'm like, ah, oh, crap. I just put another intercom in my house. <laughs> <laughs> I was making fun of these people from the 1970s installing intercoms. And I basically just installed a fancy yeah. intercom. Everything just goes in cycles. <laughs> yep. Here is where I would say something funny and possibly pithy. And that would make you want to visit masteringlaravel.io, which is full of all sorts of Laravel goodness. Laravel.